0: Please take out your Bibles, if you would, again, and turn to Ephesians 6. We'll begin with a reading of the scripture that is the focal point of this session, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Why don't you consider with me what a belt does? A belt keeps everything else in its proper place. A belt keeps everything else in its proper place. As a, as a child, way back when, way back when, in size, my wife claims I'm still one now, but way back when, uh, used to watch the old Batman TV show. Loved the old Batman TV shows. Teenager, and it seemed like. No matter what fix he was in, there was something on that belt that he could get out of it with. It was, it was awesome how, no matter what the situation, he had just the right tool in his belt, right? When we think about a belt, a lineman's belt, a carpenter's belt, J.R.'s tool belt. Yes, Jr's tool belt. Many of you may not have thought about Jr's tool belt before, but you may from here on. This is Jr's tool belt. It has got compartments for just about everything, and it's got multiple compartments. It's a heavy belt. But I want us to think about what this belt does. It holds everything in its proper place. If you're using this, you know that your rule is behind you, you know where it is, you know where your hammer is, and you get used to having everything exactly where it belongs so that you can reach for it, use it, and know that it's there. That's what a belt does, and that's kind of the theme of this particular session, the fact that a belt keeps everything in its proper place. Now for the Roman soldier, not only did it hold all of his weapons, but it also kept his armor and garments in place so that he could fight efficiently. It kept things out of the way, like this keeps the hammer off to the side. It keeps everything out of the way, but it's still there and accessible. And it's the same way with a Roman soldier's belt. It was so that he could fight unhindered you know sometimes you're tempted I don't know about over here but sometimes you're tempted when you're in Tulsa to tell some of these young people buy a belt (laughs) I mean well I mean okay work with me here right I mean you see these young people especially these young men walking around with and you think if they had to run for their lives they'd die (laughs) I mean really buy a belt they're not that expensive get a piece of rope do something pull your britches up and secure them a belt keeps everything in place. In fact, in the Bible, in a prophecy, if you'll turn to me in Isaiah chapter 11, in a messianic prophecy, it speaks about a belt. Isaiah 11:1 through 5 There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now verse 3 of Isaiah 11. His delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Like a belt, this prophecy of the Messiah describes the fact that his righteousness and faithfulness, this belt would be the elements around which and from which everything else about him would revolve, Flow and be kept in its proper place. This belt would keep of faithfulness and righteousness would keep all these things in their proper place. In our marriages, it is God's truth. It must be God's truth, and nothing else or less, which girds and guards and governs and holds together and keeps everything else in our marriages in their proper place. If we loosen up that belt of truth, if we take off that belt of truth, if we stop studying God's word and having it hold all of the other components in our marriage in place, the same thing will happen that will happen if we don't wear a belt or we loosen that belt up or the belt wears out or we refuse to use it properly, then everything else is going to fail, fall down, or fall away. And that's true when we don't use God's belt of truth in our marriages. Speaking of God's truth holding together and keeping everything else in its proper place, I want to talk about some of the most powerful elements known to man. And how if they are kept in their proper place, they can be lifesavers. But if they're not kept in their proper place that can be life destroyers. For example, fire. Think for a moment of fire. You Watch all these shows about Alaska and what's the first thing? They're out in the middle of the snow and it's 30 below they need. In order to sustain life in its proper place, they need a fire. And yet as we watch the news and we watch the wildfires burn out in California, people's lives are being destroyed by fire. So that which destroys can also save. Same thing would be true with guns. We think of some of the shootings that have occurred lately across our country and the lives that have been taken when they are used improperly. And yet in the hands of a police officer, a gun can save lives. So again, that which is powerful and can save can also destroy. Satan has taken one of the most beautiful and powerful and wonderful blessings that God ever gave to man... And that is the gift of sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife. Satan has taken that, detached it from its proper place, detached it from its proper parameters of the marriage relationship, and he has used it to burn and to kill and to destroy countless lives and marriages and families and eternal souls. As we talk about this, please keep in mind that a Christian's understanding about the proper place of anything should always come from God's truth on anything. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. And so this morning in this session I want to talk about the truth about sexual intimacy, a gift from God. A gift from God, a beautiful gift from God to husbands and wives, which Satan has detached from that belt of truth and turned it into sin and death and sexual immorality. Number one, the gift of sexual intimacy between a husband and a wife in a covenant relationship with God, once again, is an awesome, beautiful, wonderful gift. It was given in the Garden of Eden before sin or Satan ever entered the world. Before anything bad ever came into the world, Genesis 1 and verse 28, God had given this gift. And chapter 1 closes with verse 31. After this beautiful gift, along with all these other gifts that made it paradise, It says then God saw everything he had made and indeed it was very good. Everything that God created in chapter 1 was a beautiful thing. It was paradise. Everything was perfect and wonderful and awesome and beautiful. Just exactly as God wanted it. Amongst those gifts was the gift of sexual intimacy. These two were naked and they didn't even know it. They didn't even realize it. It was just a natural, normal, everyday gift of God. For the fulfillment of his creation in paradise. Then enter the destroyer, enter the liar, enter Satan himself, and the gifts of paradise became the casualties of paradise lost. Perhaps there is no book in the Old or New Testament that is any stronger or has any stronger doses of God's truth in it when it comes to warnings regarding avoiding the life, marriage, and potentially soul-destroying sin of sexual immorality than Proverbs. It's interesting and ironic that Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. If anybody should know about this issue, it's Solomon. But I want us to think about this. It begins with a focus in chapter 1, begins to kind of set the stage for what he's going to talk about in chapter 1 of Proverbs, but then he goes on to deal further with that fiery sin of sexual activity outside of the marriage parameters that God established, beginning in chapter 2 of Proverbs in verse 11. Then... In chapters 5, 6, 7, and 9, repeatedly throughout, you see these warnings against taking this beautiful gift that God has given, taking it out of the parameters, taking it out of its proper place, detaching it from the belt of truth, turning it into sexual immorality and how, how burning and horrifying and destructive that can be when it is not kept within its proper place and parameters that God gave it. Between husbands and wives. In fact, in the middle of all of that is God's cure for avoiding that destruction. The belt of God's truth keeps this God-given gift of intimacy exactly where it belongs, within its proper place, within its proper proper parameters, and it is just a beautiful beautiful thing. And so this is how God says you cure this problem. Proverbs 5 You cure this problem of of detaching it, or taking it away, or causing all this destruction. The cure is in Proverbs 5, starting at verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern, and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed to broad streams of water in the streets? Let them be only your own, and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of your youth. As a loving deer and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. The same is still true today. Despite the devil's deceptions, this gift from God is still a wonderful, beautiful thing that takes marriage back to that paradise and puts marriage back in that paradise situation that God intended from the very beginning. Satan will try to get at all of us, and one of the greatest ways he tries to get at all of us is with, once again, what we see with our eyes. Again, as we talked about earlier, sex sells. Look around. Through Hollywood, through the internet, through our sexually saturated society, and through our own evil imaginations Satan keeps trying hey check this out hey hey you hey you husband hey you wife check this out look over here wow look at this keeps whispering doesn't hurt to look what harm can just a look do you deserve somebody who looks like this or this God didn't mean for you to have, you know, you you could have more. You could take this shortcut. God wants you to be happy. and And Satan goes on and on and on and on, trying to detach this beautiful gift from its proper place. Put it somewhere it doesn't belong so he can destroy our marriages. Heard a story years ago about a worldly psychiatrist who a lady went to and she said that she was having trouble with her marriage. She wasn't happy in her marriage. And he said, I have the cure. He said, you need to have an affair. That will make you feel fulfilled. You need to find somebody who will just, who will just love you and make you feel fulfilled and you deserve to be happy. And, and yeah, that's the world's wisdom on how to cure unhappiness in your marriage. That is a lie of Satan. You take the man that, you know, is... is Older, and he's got you know three kids at home and he's been married for decades and he sees some young lady down at the office and winds up you know married with her guess what 20 years later he's in the same situation only he's 20 years older <laughs> but but the lie has been there and it's destroyed lives God knew the pull and the power that this fire and desire which He placed within us to delight and fulfill us could also have to divert and destroy us if it is detached from its proper place on the belt of truth. In fact, in the New Testament, it's not just the Old, but in the New Testament as well, in a chapter that, avo- that discusses both the topics of divorce and separation, God once again gives the cure for avoiding it all. Turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 7. Just like in the midst of all of that in Proverbs about avoiding this destructive pull that sexual temptation can have, God placed the cure that we read in Proverbs 5, 15 through 19... In the New Testament, in a chapter that addresses those topics, those destructive topics as well, God gives a cure once again, right at the beginning of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the woman does not have authority over. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Verse 5. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and then come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. God said, here's the cure. Here's, Here's the gift in its proper place. This is what it needs to be. Now, it's my thought, my opinion, and my opinion's not worth much. You can throw it out if you want, but I would think that if... All of us in Matthew, uh, Matthew, 1 Corinthians 7, I would think that if that were being done in the church there in Corinth, that the rest of the chapter probably wouldn't have been written, wouldn't have needed to have been. Maybe it would have, I don't know. While we could spend hours on numerous other examples, the case had ought to be incredibly clear. Arming our marriages for the battlefield that we're going to face every day. With the belt of God's truth means this. It means knowing and allowing God's word to be that which keeps everything else in its proper place, where it belongs. His word ought to be the belt upon which everything else in our marriages hinges, is attached to, and kept in its proper place, and comes from, and that includes one of the greatest gifts and blessings that he ever gave to a husband and wife. That moves us on then to the breastplate of righteousness. I want us to think about that for just a few minutes. The breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate, as we saw, (laughs) coming up through the aisle there, a breastplate is is to protect the vital organs. It is to protect the heart, the lungs, the liver, those, those vital organs without which you cannot live. That's what a breastplate does. And so, when I look at this text... What does that have to do with our marriage? Simply this. We must protect at all cost that which is vital or essential to our marriages. We must protect our vital organs maritally speaking. First off, that means that our top priority, top priority, must be to protect our relationship with all. Almighty God, the breastplate of righteousness. We must protect our relationship with Almighty God. And that means we must protect our time to study and grow in his word. That's vital to our marriages. God wrote the book on love. God gave us these gifts, told us how to use them. God laid it all right out there and said, look, this is what real love looks like. This is, this is what it acts like. This is what you need to be. You need to forgive as I've forgiven you. All of those things that we've talked about bundled up. God wrote the book on love, so we must protect our relationship with Him in our time to study. When we do that, it's going to cause us to grow more righteous, breastplate of righteousness, in our actions, strengthening the straps of our security belts of truth for the battle at all costs. Let me give you three references, then we'll move on. 1 Peter 1, verse 13 Through chapter 3 and verse 13. And then 2 Peter, chapter 1, 2 through 11. And chapter 3, 11 through 18. All of those talk about protecting our relationship with God and growing in His Word. Now, remember I said the breastplate, breastplate of righteousness or a breastplate, protects our vital organs, such as our heart, lungs, and liver. Think about this. Our spiritual heart. What is the first element of the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. The breastplate of righteousness protects that heart of loving God. That must be kept up at all costs. That is a vital organ. What do lungs do? They breathe, right? What does the Bible say about itself? All scripture is what? God breathes. So again, we must protect at all costs our time with the scripture. What does the liver do? It takes toxins out of the blood that could kill us. By Christ's blood, we have been cleansed from those things which can kill us. So we must protect at all costs that blood-bought relationship we have with Jesus Christ. That's vital. That must be protected. Secondly, for this breastplate of righteousness, it means in order to be truly righteous, we must also love, cherish, protect, and defend the other vital part of our marital relationship, which is obviously our spouses. We must love them and protect them and cherish them as this awesome gift that God gave to us. We must protect our spouses at all cost, no matter what. You know, the greatest gift that we've ever been given is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, his blood, all that entails. God's gift to us. You know what the second greatest gift is God ever gave us? Our spouses. Think about it. Consider it. Proverbs thirty one, ten through thirty one, Malachi two, thirteen through sixteen, and first Peter three, eight through twelve, we must protect that awesome gift. We must be willing, as we've talked about already in this, in this retreat, to cherish them and to protect them, to protect them from anyone and everything, to cover their faults and weaknesses. In fact, when God's talking about the relationship in the church, He says our, our weaker members must be... We must work harder in love to cover and protect our weaker members than anybody else. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-two through 26. Well, if that's true in the church, it's certainly true that we must cover our spouses' weaknesses. We're all, we all have them. We must be willing to give ourselves totally up for them, to them, and again for them. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. So as we talk about those three vital organs, our spouses should be in our hearts. If I can get real romantic here for a moment, impersonally, of course, our spouses should be the reason that our heart keeps beating, beats faster, and even skips a beat. We must protect that. Guys, I don't care how long you've been married. Well, I do, but take her out on a date. Bring her home something from work for no reason at all. Let her know that she's as special to you as she was the day you married her. Our spouses should be in our hearts and the reason that our heart beats faster and skips a beat. Our spouses should be as precious and vital to us in our continued existence as the air we breathe. We must protect them like we would our lungs. And our spouses ought to be in our blood. They really had. They had ought to be one without which and without whom we couldn't exist, just like if we didn't have any blood. The final and third thing we must protect with this breastplate of righteousness is our emotions that flow from the heart. Later we'll talk about our minds and the helmet, but I want to conclude this session with some thoughts and comments again from from David Penley on his Simply One marriage study, a Bible study for married couples, when it comes to protecting our emotions that flow from the heart. He says this, Our emotions can control us and therefore must be protected. The breastplate we must put on to protect us from Satan's attacks is God's righteousness. We are not talking about self-righteousness here. We are not to think we are better than someone else, including our spouse's. Our void of righteousness is why we need God's forgiveness through faith in Christ Jesus. It is why... Well, listen to this. Our void of righteousness is why to think that we are somehow better than our spouse is not only ridiculous, but it is sinful. It is why not forgiving our spouse is sinful. Why? Why? Because none of us is righteous. No, not one. Without the blood of Christ, none of us are flawless. We're all in this thing together. He continues, this is exactly one of the ways Satan attacks our hearts and minds to lead us to sin and harm our marriages. God's breastplate of righteousness will lead us to real love, forgiveness, and all the other fruit of the Spirit that pleases God and protects our marriages. The breastplate of God's righteousness will make certain that his truth will be the guiding influence in our lives and our emotions will flow from that instead of the opposite. That's key. Emotions are a wonderful thing. God gave you the ability to feel things. But our emotions should be driven by the truth of God, not the other way around. Just because we feel good about something doesn't necessarily make it true. But those things which are true that we do from God, those should make us feel good. Because we know that it's making God pleased. He says, We need to be led by God, not our feelings. We will not go wrong when we do that. We will always go astray when we allow our emotions to lead. Study and know God's word and then live it. This will protect our hearts and marriages from Satan's attack. That's marriage the way God intended it to be. It's the way God instituted it to be in paradise before there was any sin. When everything was perfect and awesome and lovely. And those things must be protected at all cost. I just want to leave you with this thought. If today your marriage is not the paradise that God intended it to be, God still wants it to be that way. The only thing that you've got to do is follow God's plan to make it that once again. God is a restorationist. God wants our marriages to be the most incredible thing With the exception of all that we have for salvation in Christ, but for this mutual relationship here, God wants our marriages to be incredible. He designed it, told us how to do it. It's up to us. If you're here today and you need to make some changes, make up your mind as you sit there to to make those changes and put on the full armor of God of Ephesians 6 every day. And life will be incredible.